Thomas Cole's Journal, 1834-1835, Excerpts, from The Life and Works of Thomas Cole, by the Reverend Louis L. Noble, 1856. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. November 5th. 1834. Memory is but a leaky vessel. The purest spirit is most likely to escape and leave nothing but dregs behind. I have often regretted that interesting things of daily occurrence and thoughts suggested by them fade away or are buried under subsequent accumulations, thus rendering my experience very narrow it is desirable to have it as wide as possible. With this view, I intend to record some of the passing incidents and thoughts of my life, that I may look back to the experience of the past and be amused if not instructed. November 6th. Last night I dreamed that I was descending a precipitous mountain and had to cling to roots and shrubs to aid me in the descent. One shrub, towards which I had stretched my hand, attracted my admiration by its beauty. I paused to gaze at it. As I gazed, I perceived, to my horror, that it was a serpent coiled in an attitude to spring upon me. How this dream is like many of the realities of life, objects the most beautiful and which we desire to clasp are often fraught with poison this afternoon in company with miss b note his wife subsequently i took a walk through a favorite dell which we call the vale of tempe a little stream winds between two wooded hills having a meadow like margin here and there is a little pool of pure water in which are numbers of small fishes that lead, one may suppose, a quiet and contented life. A spirit of tranquility seems to dwell in this little valley. We gathered mosses, noticed the beautiful effects of sunlight and shadow on the now almost leafless woods, and conversed on days past, when the woods were in their glory, and of a distant and dear friend, my sister, who was with us the first time we visited this sweet place. While we were there, we heard the shouts of a company of men rejoicing at the defeat of their political enemies. Their party was victorious. November 8th. Today I commenced packing for my return to New York. It is rather a melancholy business. After my summer in the country, I always go to the city with a presentiment of evil. I am happiest in the country. In the city, although I enjoy the society of my family and of artists and other persons of taste and refinement, yet my feelings are frequently harrowed by the heartlessness and bad taste of the community, the ignorant criticisms on art and the fulsome elogiums that so often issue from the press upon the vilest productions. 
I also dislike fashionable parties. I have either not confidence enough or small talk to shine. I escape from them with as much delight as if just liberated from a jail. I made a small circular diagram of colors today. It reminded me of an experiment I have long wished to try and have thought a good deal about. The idea was suggested by something I read when a boy, I do not know where. It is what may be called the music of colors. I believe that colors are capable of affecting the mind by combination, degree, and arrangement, like sound. It is evident that there is an analogy between color and sound, and with study and experiment it might be traced through all its ramifications. I am not aiming to prove the analogy, but to show that there is plausibility in the theory that an instrument might be constructed by which color could be played and which would give to those who had cultivated their taste in the art a pleasure like that given by music. If I attempted to make an instrument, I should try the experiment with six colors and their semi-tints. The instrument might be played by means of keys like those of a piano except that instead of their moving hammers to strike strings, they might lift, when struck, dark or black screens from before colored compartments. Transparent compartments, with either sunlight or artificial light behind, would perhaps produce the most brilliant effect. November 25th. A fortnight has now elapsed since I left Catskill and so much has my time been occupied that I have had no leisure to write a line, although some things of interest have occurred. How I regret the country with its delightful tranquility. Here is nothing but turmoil. My mind is distracted with a thousand cares, and although I have commenced painting, yet it is not with love. This day two years ago I returned from Europe, the day was delightful, and after a tedious voyage of seven weeks from Leghorn, it is not surprising that almost everything I saw gave me pleasure. Well nigh a four years' absence made the shores of the bay, its white buildings, and the approaching city very welcome to my eyes. As its roar came across the waters upon my ears, accustomed for so long a time to the sounds and solitudes of the ocean, it was deeply impressive. We had come from the pathless deserts of the sea. This was our first hearing of the mingled voices of the multitude and the din of wheels and footsteps in the stony streets. January 24, 1835 The wings of time are heavier and heavier laden, as he flies. Each hour brings its own trouble without dissipating that of the past. This reconciles one to death. Rest is welcome to the weary soul. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I flee away and be at rest. Although pain and trouble may accumulate, as we pass along, hope sheds a light upon our path and brightens like a star as the darkness deepens. 
in the depth of night we see not the earth around us while there are visible splendors in the fields of heaven so divine joys shine from eternity when trouble flings a gloomy obscurity around the things of time this afternoon i walked down to the battery to see the sunset for the first time since i left the country where i daily watch him it was glorious the water perfectly calm not a cloud in the sky like a golden dome the sun lingered a moment on the horizon and then sunk as if by the wand of an enchanter from the sight i count the winter days for they are slow-footed but the summer days which i enjoy in the country fly too quickly to be counted february twenty fifth my soul dwells in the mortal tenement and feels the influence of the elements still i would not live where tempests never come for they bring beauty in their train i sigh not for a stormless clime where drowsy quiet ever dwells where crystal brooks with endless chime flow winding through perennial dells for storms bring beauty in their train the hills below the howling blast the woods all weeping in their rain how glorious when the storm is past so storms of ill when passed away leave in the soul serene delight the gloom of the tempestuous day but makes the following calm more bright to mr alexander new york march twenty sixth eighteen thirty five my dear sir about the picture you must not be surprised if a large one about seven feet long makes its appearance on your coast not as a sea serpent but as a tornado if you do not see this in a week or two you may expect me in boston next summer when i will do something for your pastum favor the tornado i speak of was painted in the summer before last it is sketchy but i believe you are fond of such can you yet be called happy i hope so and that you will long continue so we will speak about the ladies when i come you will perhaps find my heart more adamantine than you suppose i am in the midst of thinking about moving i intend to spend my summer in catskill your friend thomas cole april seventeenth eighteen thirty five i am once more in the midst of preparation for the country within a few days i shall leave for catskill my favorite haunt my anticipations in coming to the city last autumn were not very pleasing the realities have been sad the sickness of my father and mother has loaded me with care and anxiety interruptions of various kinds have frequently occurred many things have conspired to destroy the tone of mind necessary for the successful pursuit of my profession i have scarcely done anything not finished a single picture i have made an outline of the third of the series but it is unsatisfactory and i shall commence another choice days are passing away without my being able to apply myself so entirely to my art as i should wish but i will not repine nor anticipate evil 
he who has made me and given me the capacity to rejoice in the beauty of his works will i humbly trust continue to me his bounteous goodness and oh may i pursue the art i love with an undivided mind may my works be worthy the scenes and subjects i would choose to depict arrived in catskill april twenty third snow on the mountains and everything bearing a wintry aspect on the sixteenth of may i went down to new york to the annual meeting of the national academy of design i also read my lecture on american scenery before the new york lyceum in consequence of embarrassment i read very badly on the thirteenth i returned with my sister sarah the country still has a wintry appearance the snow yet lingers on the mountain tops. When will the summer come? May 24th. The spring has come at last. We have had a few days truly delightful. The softest temperature, the purest air, sunshine without burning and breezes without chilliness, soft and cloudless skies. The mountains have taken their pearly hue, and the streams leap and glitter as though some crystal mountain was thawing beneath the sun the swelling hills with their white and rosy blossoms blush in the light of day the air is full of fragrance and of music oh that this could endure and no poison of the mind fall into the cup may twenty eighth today my feelings have been cruelly wounded he whose affections extend to many is like a wide-spreading vine in the forest. It is exposed to peril in proportion to the number of trees upon which it depends. One by one they are liable to fall, either by the axe or the tempest, or by the rot silently eating at the core, and leave at last the poor vine with all its fruit and foliage prostrate on the earth cast off the bands that bind thee now each strand is steeped in pain thus spake a voice i made a vow to break them all twas vain may thirty first i did not go to church today i should have spent my time more profitably if i had I read a little, wrote and walked, and looked at the landscape. In the evening I took a walk on the road to the village of Athens, which for half a mile from Mr. Alexander Thompson's is my favorite morning and evening walk. The south wind blew strongly, and dark masses of cloud moved across the twilight sky, the heralds of approaching storm. A leaden hue overspread the veil, the woods, and the distant mountains how contagious is gloom a flow of melancholy thoughts and feelings overwhelmed me for a time i thought of the uncertainty of life its bootless toil and brevity the south wind i thought would still continue to blow and bring up its dark clouds for ages after my works and all the reputation i might gain had faded away and become as though they had never been 
swept by the wing of time into oblivion's gulf. And shall it be, shall the spirit, that mysterious principle unknown even to itself, that vivifies this earth and generates these thoughts, sink also into the gloomy gulf of non-existence, nor feel again created beauty, nor see the nature that it loved so much? It cannot be. The great originator, the mighty one, the unspeakable, hath not created for purposes vain and useless this power of conceiving, this wish and longing after immortality, this hope, this faith, which gives an energy to virtue and raises in the breast these lofty aspirations, this fear of sinning, of deception and delusion. No, there are no fallacies with God. To prove that, if not to disprove all existence, would be to render all things doubtful. June 1st, Monday morning. The storm has passed. The day breaks over the earth in freshness and in beauty. In the east, sullen and dark is the retiring storm. In the west, the deep green mountains rise into the pure blue. Around their summits float the light white clouds, like hope the bosom of reality. End of Thomas Cole's Journal, 1834-1835, Excerpts from The Life and Works of Thomas Cole by the Rev. Louis L. Noble, 1856. Read for LibriVox by Sue Anderson.